Welcome to Ozark Coding Blitz podcast series from your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC, the show that brings you timely industry topics in the field of health information management, discussing coding tips, reimbursement challenges, and work-life balance. Join the Blitz every Monday. Hello, and welcome to the Ozark Coding Blitz podcast series. I want to welcome all my listeners to episode three. Today is October 5th, 2020. How are you doing? We're five days in, aren't we, to the ICD-10-CM coding guidelines for use in 2021. And aren't we so excited to finally have our COVID-19 and our vaping disorders for Chapter 22, all tucked nice and neatly in our coding manual. We've had some language updates, some new codes. What did we have? We had 490 new codes, didn't we? A lot of sections have had a lot of new codes. Uh, one of the major contributions, of course, was our Chapter 19, our injury and poisoning. We had 128 new codes there. And then Chapter 20, our external cause, had a lot of changes, uh, 125 new changes, a lot of those to the motor vehicle accidents and, and others. The blood uh, diseases, Chapter 3, there were a lot of conditions there, 43. That's a large increase for that chapter. We've seen some chapters uh, increase as well, Chapter 7 for the eye and anexa. Uh, chapter 13 had 57 new codes. I, for one, as an orthopedic coder and instructor, I'm very excited about Chapter 13. Uh, for so long, I know, for me personally, there were so many uh, body parts that were always just not really there because we had to use unspecified for so many of them. But when, the nice things about Chapter 13 that I really enjoyed was the updates uh, to the pathological fractures, the M24 category for the articular cartilage disorders, those recurrent dislocations, um, all of these updates that really make it easier now for us to use that other designation rather than using unspecified all the time, right? We, we needed that other specification, didn't we? So have you reviewed your guidelines yet? Uh, we had, of course, a lot of new codes. We did have some language updates, didn't we, uh, to our official guidelines. One of the first things that I noticed, of course, as a risk adjustment educator and coder uh, was uh, in section B, of uh, section one, actually, subsection B. Number 14 was the documentation by clinicians other than the patient's provider. Maybe you notice that as well. Uh, if you see in your coding manual there, in the bold letters, it has that addition, that update, that new revision. It tells us that patients can self-report documentation of those social determinants of health, those categories that are found Z55 through Z65, if they are self-reported and signed off by a clinician or a provider. So as long as they bring those conditions into that health record and they're signing off on that and confirming that it's, of course, part of that health record, we can use those patient self-reported conditions. So very important as a risk coder, we know how important the SDOH conditions are. And of course, in our new 2021 evaluation and management uh, risk table, we know that it's on there. So how important now even further 
to have this in our ICD-10 guidelines so we can use that in our documentation uh, as an element to pull for our leveling. I really enjoyed seeing that notation there. And of course, chapter-specific guidelines, we come to next, section subsection C, chapter one, which is our infectious disease, and we have the major contributor, which is the COVID-19 conditions. And as we know, with uh, professional fee outpatient reporting, which is different than the inpatient facility coders, of course, they get to report things if they're unconfirmed, probable, suspected. But for us, we can only code confirmed cases. So depending on where you're coding, what you, what kind of facility you work for, pay attention to those specific guidelines. Uh, but for most of us that are working in professional fee outpatient, which is what I, of course, do, I can only code confirmed cases. And so as it mentions there, uh, we're going to code things that are confirmed. We cannot code suspected, possible, probable, and so forth. Sequencing is also of note. We definitely want to pay attention to our sequencing. And what is our ICD-10 codebook other than a roadmap, right? We're trying to use that documentation and get to that proper coding. And we'll have these additional uh, sections uh, that will tell us, okay, you have this condition, you're going to go here. You have this condition, see this guideline. We have a lot of notations throughout our guidelines that lead us to other places. So use it as a roadmap. You're coming to a fork in the road. You're heading down this road and all of a sudden you got to veer to the right or you have to veer to the left. So which direction do you need to go? Follow your, your roadmap. Let it lead you into the right direction. When you start with your documentation, of course, we know you're going uh, to start with your main term. That main term is going to lead you to your index. And the index, of course, is then going to lead you uh, to the proper code in the tabular. But one thing I always have learned in my career is that I don't know it all. And it's important that we, we don't get too comfortable where we are because and think we know, I know that guideline. But maybe we don't know it as well as we thought we did. So never be too confident in yourself. Always go back to your guidelines. Rely on them. If you're coding for diabetes, for instance, chapter four, you know that there's guidelines for that. So just do a quick reference if you're not quite sure. Uh, and then, of course, other sections, if you know there's a specific guideline uh, for injuries and poisonings or musculoskeletal, whatever it happens to be, make sure that you go back to that guideline, just refresh your memory, just real briefly, and that way you can have that confidence in knowing the sequencing, the order that you're supposed to, to use for that code set. And again, our tabular is such our friend, isn't it? Our tabular really leads us. It tells us what to code first, what to code additional. It tells us conditions that are excluded, conditions that may be included if the documentation is just right. It gives us those coding tips. So whatever coding manual you're using, I for one enjoy my AMA version. I do like the appendixes. I love the uh, coding clinic references. I do love uh, all of those appendixes that have additional pharmacology, risk adjustment uh, notations for me. I, I just enjoy it. Maybe you like Optum. Maybe you enjoy the AAPC version. Whatever version you're using, find one that works for you, for your uh, particular position that has those little uh, tips and tricks and has those references that are helpful for you. So now let's dig into the next section I want to talk about is diabetes. There was a really cool notation. If you compare it to 2020, you'll see the difference. Uh, chapter four, 
where it talks about the diabetes mellitus and the use of insulin and hypoglycemic uh, drugs and those injectable non-insulin anti-diabetic drugs. So this year, they have this note for us that when we are uh, have a patient who has both of those uh, being given, we're going to have two codes. We're not just going to default to the Z79.4. We're going to add that additional Z code. So if they have both they're being treated with, we're going to add the Z79.899 with the insulin code. Or if they're also being given that hypoglycemic drug, we're going to code the hypoglycemic drug and that a non-insulin anti-diabetic injection. So read that very carefully. It's there for us, uh, for our reference. We do have in the respiratory section, we do have the vaping disorder guideline there listed, our U07.0. So read that carefully, understand uh, the differences between that, and that is how we sequence, right? So we know chapter 22 lists our U codes, but when they are affecting another chapter in ICD-10, you will see those guidelines listed in that chapter. So for uh, chapter 10, for those conditions, you're going to see that additional vaping disorder sequencing guideline to help you understand how to sequence when there is a respiratory manifestation. And as we move along, we're going to see in chapter 15, we had one up update there uh, for the O85. So we have the purpural sepsis, which should be assigned uh, when there is a infection that leads to sepsis. And this could be uh, anything that could cause this. The patient leaves the hospital, uh, and so they're in that puerperal uh, condition, that period, and so they couldn't develop this sepsis from an infection. They want to remind us, though, that O85 is not for sepsis following a post-procedural obstetrical procedure. So if it's sepsis following an obstetrical procedure, we have a guideline for that, don't we? It tells us to go to uh, chapter one under sepsis due to a post-procedural infection. Not the same thing. So just to clarify that puerperal sepsis is not the same as a post-procedural obstetrical condition. Sepsis due to a post-procedural uh, condition for obstetrical. So just to know the difference there, it's helpful. So that's another update that might be relevant to the area that we're coding for. There is another update you can read uh, for COVID-19 uh, that, that affects a newborn. So for a newborn that tests positive, we're going to assign U07.1 and the appropriate code for any associated manifestations. So again, COVID-19 taking precedence there in the sequencing. And then, of course, read that very carefully, uh, the additional guidelines listed there for additional scenarios that might affect uh, your coding. Now, I want to kind of briefly touch on uh, some of the new codes. As mentioned previously, we had 490 new codes, didn't we? Uh, there were quite a few, most of them, as we see, 128 in the injury and poisoning. A lot of codes there affected. 125 in chapter 20 for those external causes. So chapter 19 had uh, had those new codes for adverse effects, poisoning specifically to the drugs fentanyl and tramadol, as well as other synthetic narcotics. Uh, and then chapter 21, that was our, of course, our, our Z codes. There was a couple there, nothing, nothing really to shout out, <laughs> right? Something to be too excited about. 
one of the things I personally saw that affected me was the musculoskeletal conditions. So in chapter 13, I was excited about this because I am a musculoskeletal coder. So seeing those additional updates for the articular cartilage disorder, specifically those uh, ankyloses, those contracture ones, that really helped me because there are some body parts that I would always have to use the unspecified code for. And I was really looking forward to the next year. When are they gonna give me some other options? And so now we have some additional options for the other specified. So now we can be a little more specific, not as much as I'd like, but now I can avoid using that unspecified code and, and that really helps on the billing, the claims, getting those paid when those insurance companies have those automatic denials for unspecified codes. So that was a nice little update there. We do have uh, some additional codes that were listed there for the genitourinary, those kidney codes. Uh, if you code for chronic kidney disease, which a lot of us do, if our physicians ever document hypertension with CKD, we may see it often for those patients in the hospital. It really touches so many different specialties. A lot of patients can have this condition, especially if you're coding for risk adjustment, you're gonna see this a lot. So we have those updates, we have new codes, we have N18.30, which is chronic kidney disease stage three, unspecified. Then we have stage 3A and stage 3B. Let's make sure our physicians know that documentation now may need to be altered to accommodate these new codes. And anytime you're reviewing new codes, right, for your specialty or your clinic, make sure that you also follow that up with your physician. If there's new wording, new uh, terms that he needs to be aware of that have been added to those conditions, we want to make sure they know about it, right? We want to make sure that they can add those specific notations. Chapter five, I, I did see that. If you code for mental health, um, neurodevelopmental disorders, we have 21 new codes to describe withdrawal from substances, which includes alcohol, cocaine, and opioids. So make sure that we understand the new wording on that. Wording, uh, documentation, specificity, that's all very important in general, right? But especially with these new code sets that we're seeing pop up for 2021. You wanna kinda go chapter by chapter, really. It's, it's really great. In the front of your ICD-10 codebook, uh, most of them you're going to see the new codes. It's going to list them all out for you. So find your code set that you deal with most often and see what's different for you. That's really what I recommend for you. There were so many different changes and one of the bigger ones, uh, if you code for the bloodborne disorders, you're going to see uh, in chapter three, there were significant changes. Uh, there were many that related to the D57, the sickle cell disorders. It has more than 20 new codes. And there were new codes for the D59, the other autoimmune hemolytic anemias. Of course, we see anemia always changing, right? Always adding things. And so continue to review those guidelines, things that affect you as well. Now, one of the things I noticed for myself, because I am a certified ophthalmology coder, so I always tend to look for uh, my guidelines for my eyes. So I wanted to point out there are some new codes. So make sure you're aware of the new chapter seven codes. Uh, there are new codes for those corneal dystrophies. Of course, we're gonna have new lateralities, right, left, bilateral. There's gonna be new codes for those eye movements, very specific to that. 
And again, if you code for specific body parts, always check your neoplasms, check your injuries, uh, all of those code sections as well, and how it affects you. Remember, before you use an unspecified code, remember your laterality. Uh, they may have updated the laterality for your code set this year. Maybe there was a code that was unspecified before or other specified, and now it gives you the option to use uh, that laterality when it didn't before. So always double check that. The AAPC has given us an amazing article, really great step-by-step, chapter-by-chapter. It was published early in September, if you didn't catch it, and I have the link there in the session notes for you to review, so I, I definitely recommend doing that. But it did mention a really great tip maybe we're not aware of, check your index. I love this because sometimes we don't realize because it's not like really obvious to us, a lot of times the changes are when it leads us from the index to the tabular. One of the good uh, examples they gave us was coding of the intra-abdominal post-procedural abscess. When you look in your index under abscess, intra-abdominal, post-procedural, it directs you to T81.43, which is infection following a procedure, organ and space surgical site. In 2020, it would have pointed you to T81.49, which is infection following a procedure, other surgical site. So this really makes that change for us very specific. So using our index is very valuable. Maybe we're just so comfortable going right to the tabular. We know exactly where to go for our specialty. We've always gone there. We know where it is, but don't forget your index. It's very helpful for us. And if it's maybe something that you're just not familiar with, or maybe something you've used often, just try it. See if it takes you somewhere else. Get comfortable with your books. We're used to using encoders. I know a lot of us use encoders. They're very valuable, especially when we're billing, we're trying to check RVUs, we're checking bundles, which is a great asset. But when we're actually coding, make sure that we don't forget how valuable our coding books are. They're so useful. They give us so many helpful tips. And we're never going to go wrong. We'll ne we're never going to code wrong if we use our manuals. So always remember to uh, trust our manuals and use them. They are our roadmap. They are our guidelines. Uh, so I, I hope that this helped you today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed. I know I always say knowledge is power. So don't give up on coding. Always keep learning. Keep growing. This has been Jennifer McNamara from Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Ozark Coding Blitz podcast series. This podcast has been brought to you by Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC. Check us out every Monday, and we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review. Join us next Monday for a brand new episode. Thank you for listening. Project Resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Be sure to reference this podcast when you place your order.